Hey everybody, Adam here. We are coming down the home stretch of Broken, Battered, But Building, and we are in Nehemiah chapter 10. I hope you guys had a good time reading that together as the scriptures are publicly declared in your group, and uh, we find ourselves in an interesting moment. We're going to use a big C word, um, and it is atypical to use out there in normal life, but in the church, this is a very important word. And this word is covenant. Covenant. And what does that mean? Uh, probably the only time we would ever hear this word is either when we're reading the scriptures or when we're at what? A wedding. A wedding. Because you're forming the marriage covenant together. And so, uh, so what is it? Well, covenant generally describes a relationship forming between two people. It's not like a contract where there are legal terms to keep. Uh, it's more formed on relationship. It's a relationship agreement. Um, and that's why when marriage becomes a contract, that's where you can cut and run and you fight over the kids and you fight over the finances and you have to divide everything up and you get divorced, right? Uh, true biblical marriage is not like that. It is covenanted together. It is done in relationship. It is not a legal contract. And it is only valid with active day-to-day -day participation. Now, if you've been at Trinity Life Church for a while, the only other time you may have heard this word is covenant membership. And so we've practiced over the last 10 years covenanting together, forming relationship together in ways that are only valid with active day-to-day -day participation. And so for those who have become covenant members, um, let's say you, uh, you've, hopefully, you've hopefully enjoyed very fruitful, fun uh, times in those relationships. And most people, um, they disqualify themselves by just disappearing for long periods of time. So if you disappear and you think regular church attendance and you're fulfilling your covenant membership uh, by just coming once a month or you know if you disappear for two months, and you've probably disqualified yourself from covenant membership. You probably notice it's a little bit awkward when you finally come back and you're like, hey, everything's the same, isn't it? I haven't seen you for months, but what's up, friend? It's like, it's a little awkward, uh, feel a little bit abandoned, uh, not going to apologize, not going to say nothing, not going to... Like, no, you, you've broken the covenant. It's, it's uh, not fruitful, fun. Uh, something's got to be worked through and it's probably only uh, restored through repentance. Same thing in a marriage, right? If, if one of the people in the relationship has been acting poorly and broken the relationship, it's probably only healed through repentance. So covenant is very important. It's very special because it signifies how people come together in meaningful, long-lasting long forming relationships okay um and uh and these people here in nehemiah chapter 10 they've rebuilt the walls they've rebuilt the temple they've begun worship and god is transforming them from the inside out and so now they want to formalize their relationship together as god's people by making a covenant all right See, all of a sudden, they have these changing desires. Something's changing from the inside out. They want to attend church. They want to organize their life and get their life together and start families. They want to enter into marriage with one another. They want to uh, take their spouse out on dates. They want to serve their community and they want to do it together. And so they find it valuable to covenant together, right? 
So think about it like this. Women, how amazing would it be if your husband came home one day and he said, I want to actively participate more in the family. I want to help train up the kids in the way of Jesus. And I want to dedicate myself to prayer and leading our family together. You'd be like, oh, amazing. Something's changed in his heart and his desires. And, and this is awesome. Our relationship's going to change. Everything's going to change. That's like what's happening right here in Nehemiah chapter 10. God's people's heart is changing. They have new desires to actively participate. It's like their faith is being activated and they want to covenant, right? And so here, the men are making a public declaration to create a new, a totally different subculture that looks very different from the dominant culture and especially different from the culture they were in in Babylon. Covenant is connection, and it connects a relationship to a higher purpose, right? They don't just covenant together and say, yeah, man, this is cool. It's like, uh, you know, it's not like a blood bond or blood pact between two people. No, they're connecting themselves to a higher purpose, the purposes of God as God's people, right? Now, this is very important, and even uh, secular people understand this concept of being connected to a higher purpose. There was a secular survey done by the School of Public Health, and uh, people who have uh, a higher purpose to their life have a stronger and longer life, as it turns out, right? It reduces their mortality rate by 21%. That's very interesting, right? This is this is part of the economy, you could say, of God's kingdom and how it works. When you attach yourself to a higher purpose, you live longer and stronger, right? And so the people here are connecting every aspect of their life to a higher purpose. And that is to God and God's ways and God's kingdom, okay? And so we're going to analyze a number of these things that they start to connect their life to. And what I want you to do for each one of these is I want you to say, how's it going for me? How am I doing here? How am I doing in this area, right? Because our community is in transition. You could say, how have my weaknesses contributed to the current situation at Trinity Life Church? You could say, how can I change this from the inside out? How can my desires change? How can I repent from these things? Because part of me not attaching my life to these things may have caused some of the damage over time. Part of me not attaching my life to these things may affect the f new future that I'm going to be walking into. So how's it going for you? Here's another way you can do it. How can my strengths in these areas, how can I celebrate how they've contributed to the successes in the past and how can I continue to fortify these things so they can continue to bless the future community that I will covenant with in the future? So think about that. All right, so what are the things that they covenant to do? So in verse 1 uh, of chapter 10 to verse 27, you see the list of names, all the men who are a part of this covenant. And then we read on from 28. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, and the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God their wives, their sons, their daughters, and all who have knowledge and understanding. Okay, so number one, they dedicate themselves to the scriptures, the law of God. 
It's another interesting little study that people who read and study the Bible three times or less per week, they see little to no change in their life. So three times or less. But everything changes when the majority of your week is submitted to God in the scriptures. So the study noticed that if you dedicate uh, four times per week or more to reading and studying the scriptures, many things change, right? You're 407% more likely to memorize scripture. You're 228% more likely to share your faith with others. You're 59% less likely to view pornography and 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. Very interesting. So a week is comprised of seven days. You go day one, two, three, four, no scriptures. Day five, six, seven, full of the scriptures, little to no change. If you go day one, you do read the scriptures. Two, you kind of skip it. Three, oh, you do read the scripture that day. Four, nah. Five, nah. Six, you do. Seven, no. So you only read it three times that week, little to no change. Second, you add in four days. Significant change starts occurring in your life. I would implore you, dedicate even more than four days. How about seven days? Imagine what could change if every day of your life was submitted to obeying the scriptures. Our goal, and what generally tends to happen when you read the scriptures, is that we create space for the Spirit to open up your heart to genuinely desire the things of the kingdom. This is the hardest thing to fabricate, genuine desire. This is the hardest thing to find on planet Earth. Genuine desire. Easy to find apathy. Easy to find halfway in. Easy to find coercion. Easy to find manipulation. Easy to find people doing things for money. But genuine desire? That's rare. Men, think about your relationship with your spouse. Don't you just want your wife to genuinely desire you? to genuinely offer herself to you, right? It's hard to find. God, likewise, wants genuine desire from you. From you, genuine desire. And the scriptures, when you immerse yourselves in them, brings out in you genuine desire for things of the kingdom. Genuine desire for the things of God and the people of God. What else do they dedicate themselves to? Verse 29. I'll backtrack a little bit. So to the law of God, right? Uh, Their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding. Verse 29. They join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and to do all the commandments of uh, of the Lord, our Uh, of the Lord, our Lord, and his rules and statutes. So there you go. You see the scriptures again, but I want to show you they do it. Their wives, their sons, their daughters, their brothers, their nobles. So they covenant together to lead families, to lead families, right? Verses 1 to 27 is the list of the names of the heads of all the households, right? You are going to go off into a new future. You, your spouse or your future spouse, your kids, 
everything that's coming will be defined by daddy leading the family. And what can tend to happen, and I know this is contentious in our day and in our culture, right? If daddy isn't leading, one, it's going to be a battle. Fighting, bickering, strong-arming, manipulating. Number two, if daddy isn't leading, then the strongest personality in the family will dominate. That could be a child, that could be a spouse. You're always trying to work around, you're always trying to get your way, you're always trying to overcome. Number three, everyone has to kind of tiptoe around the least healthy family member. My family growing up, that was my mom. She was uh, the type where you always had to tiptoe. You weren't sure how she was going to interpret or misinterpret, more often was the case, any given situation or any given thing you might say. Easily flew off the handle, easily used guilt and manipulation to get her way. Very unhealthy, right? And number four, what will tend to happen is eventually Satan will take over and becomes a big mess. Everybody suffers. Everybody suffers. And look, this is, if you're, if you're already offended, I get it. Um, we're about to end our time together as a church, and I just want to bear my heart with you guys. We've been doing this for 11 years now. You grew up in your own household. You saw what that was like. The tendency, when there isn't strong dad, the family falls apart. That's just bore out, not theologically, just pragmatically. That's what's been happening. And so men, as you move on to the next season, this is the important part. Covenant to obey the scripture, lead your family, and much more. Go to Psalm 133 if you want support, right? That that how good, pleasant, and sweet it is to see brothers dwelling together in unity. That's ultimately a blessing to women and children and the neighborhoods and communities that you guys will be in. Okay, number three. They covenant together to worship God. To worship God, right? We will not give our daughters... Oh, this is a different one. Okay. So, observe, do all the commandments of our Lord. Okay, so they, uh, we saw in this a few weeks ago, they submitted themselves to the teaching of the scripture, right? And it's a big worship service. It was, in fact, a six-hour sermon with no couch that you're sitting on right now in your home. They had to stand. Half an hour is not a long sermon. Six hours is a long sermon. And they wanted it, and they enjoyed it. And they were worshiping God throughout it, saying, Amen, Amen, right? Um, they had multiple church staff to organize the daily workings of their spiritual community, right? They had uh, the Levites, gatekeepers, singers, priests, the temple servants, right? They all were separating themselves out. They were all covenanting together, right? Uh, to the law of God and all the people around it, right? They had worship leaders who sang because worship and singing is important. And they had their group leaders. You could call those the gatekeepers, right? Their group leaders scattered throughout the regions who organized the people in their neighborhoods, coordinate and facilitate the worship of God. The least likely person to go to a church in North America is a young man in his 20s. That's a problem. What probably happened was he was dragged to church by his mommy. 
And this may be the case for you, but then life comes around. He leaves, he goes off and has his fun time. And then, you know, you reach your epiphany stage in your mid-20s. And then the wife drags you out to church and you don't really care. He never really wanted to be there. He never really wanted to be in a room covered with salmon wallpaper or pastel yellow basements with mauve carpets, framed flower pictures all over the place, right? Carpeted floors for children and grandmothers to easily walk on and not hurt themselves. Men need to rise up, facilitate, and lead the worship of God. Through the scriptures, through singing, through strategic organization, through networked groups throughout the city, beautiful things can happen if the men covenant to worship God. And I hope that happens with you and for you wherever you go into the future. Okay, number four, let's read verse 30. We will not give our daughters to the people of the land or take their daughters for our sons. They covenant to only marry believers. Very interesting. They covenant to only marry believers. Don't just look for a good time. Look for a good legacy. I've heard someone say this many times. Someone I love and trust. Don't just look for a good time. Look for a good legacy. I get it. I was an independent, idiotic, young 17-year-old and even earlier... I understand that life. I understand the attraction. I understand the fun. I understand the desire. There is something more beautiful to be had in life for sure. And I get that the intersexual dynamics right now in our culture are just all messed up. All messed up. Guess what? Ladies, there's no good men out there. Men, there's no good women out there. This is why the mission is so important. We need to see people meet Jesus, submit themselves to Jesus, follow Jesus, so that we can have people worth marrying in our communities. We can see a radical change in our neighborhoods and in our cities. The two most important decisions you will ever make in your life. Who's your God? Jesus Christ. And who's your spouse? That will impact the course of your life more than you will ever realize we've watched it happen to our friends some of the best things have come out of that some of the worst things have come out of that decision i hope for you if you are single you are paying attention and you make a smart decision in the future wherever you end up you have been lied to on this issue of marriage okay It is not true that Christians have the same divorce rate as non-Christians. The uh, lowest, lowest divorce rate and highest marital satisfaction comes, and this has been studied, to active, church attending, church participating, praying believers. Lowest divorce rate, highest marital satisfaction. Highest divorce rate, Lowest marital satisfaction is between two people, different religions, different worldviews, different ways of thinking, different ways of acting. Highest divorce rate, lowest marital satisfaction. 
They covenant together to marry believers, those who worship God. See, because raising kids is a net impossible if you do not submit yourself to the way of Jesus. Okay? Just look at Abraham. Abraham didn't believe God. (laughs) And what did he do? He had sex with a slave girl. We still have problems to this day because of that decision in our world, in our culture. Wars are still being fought over one man's distrust of God to sleep with someone who wasn't his spouse. I would implore you, please, marry believer. Number five. The covenant to conduct business ethically. Let's keep reading. Verse 31. And if the peoples of the land uh, bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. And we will forego the crops of the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. We also take on ourselves the obligation to give yearly. Ah, We'll pause there. 31. Okay. So what do we have? Sabbath is essential. Sabbath is the key. Sabbath is essential despite what you may think. You may think that it's worth it to earn an extra $500 by just not resting that week. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You could work seven days without God's blessing. I would prefer to work six days and rest one with God's blessing. And I think you, over the course of time, will find your life will be more satisfactory and more blessed, more effective, more efficient, working six days with one day of rest with God's blessing rather than working seven days without God's blessing. And on that day, do what you do. Do what you love to do. Do what brings you joy. Do what fills you up. Do what brings you rest, right? Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So design a fun Sabbath day for you and your family. May it include the community of faith and the worship of God and whatever else you like to do. Have fun with it. Enjoy. See, God is a father who wants to enjoy you in relationship and wants you to enjoy him in relationship. Shut down your business for a day. Relax. Enjoy. Number six, let's read verse 32 to 38. We also take on ourselves the obligation to give yearly a third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. For the showbread, the regular grain offering, the regular burnt offering, the Sabbaths, the new moons, the appointed feasts, the holy things, and the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God. Notice there's lots of stuff to do in church and there's lots of reasons to give. We, the priests... The Levites and the people have likewise cast lots for the wood offering to bring it to the house of our God. Like, how are you going to burn the offerings? I mean, you need wood to do it, right? According to our father's houses at times appointed year by year to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law, we obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. Also to bring the house of our God, the priests who minister in the house of our God, the firstborn of our sons, 
and of our cattle, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and of our flocks, and to bring the first of our dough and our contributions, the fruit of every tree, the wine and the oil, the priests to the chambers of the house of our God, and to bring to the Levites the tithes from our ground. Uh, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all our towns where we labor. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithes. And the Levites shall bring up the tithe of tithes to the house of our God, to the chambers of the storehouse. Lots of reasons to give. And lots of things to give. <laughs> and there's two principles that you uh, should remember here. One is first fruits. The other is sacrifice. Right? God always comes first. That is the first fruits. That's why you always tithe off of uh, the gross and not the net, right? You give to God first and then you give to the government after, right? I noticed these days, especially after COVID, uh, all the restaurants and servers out there, they want to get you um, on the gross, not the not the net, right? So they want to take... My mom used to be really particular about this, and I got nothing against servers. Actually, I love going out. I love having a you know having a pint with a friend, and I don't mind tipping generously. But when you're obligated because they change all the numbers on the dial, haven't you noticed this? Instead of ten, fifteen, twenty, it's gone eighteen, twenty-five, thirty percent tip on the buttons, right? Like first off, they go way above the percentage, and secondly. Uh, my mom was really notorious for this, right? Because what you do is you used to get the bill and before there were these tap machines, you get the bill and it would show you the total and then the tax and then you'd have to write in the tip and sign it, right? And what you would do is you would take the total before tax, the subtotal, and you do 15% of the subtotal and that would be your tip. And then they would add in the tax on top and the tip, and that would be the grand total that was charged to your card for the amount that you swiped. And you had to do all that math yourself at the dinner table. See, now they just do, they put in the total, which is the amount all added up with the tax. And then they do the percentage tip on top of the whole thing, right? So they're already getting a higher slice of the pie. And now you get a machine that says, the minimum number is 18%. It's like, what the heck, right? They're scamming off the top for sure. Um, people of God give first and they give generously, right? They don't play games with numbers. They don't inflate or in most people's case, deflate. Um, they give their first fruits, their first and best, okay? <clears throat> and I want you guys to ask yourself, because you're going off to a new community. At this point, I mean, I hope that you give all the way until the end. Give generously um, for the sake of mission, for the sake of future mission, for Emily and I's sake um, to continue uh, to do what we're going to do into the future. I hope you give right until the end. Um, but at this point, I can tell you this, and hopefully if you're offended and you want to go somewhere else, that's fine because you will ultimately go somewhere else and be a part of a new community, and this should be in you this should be your genuine desire is to not skim per skim right but it would be to give first and best because our god is worth it and here they covenant to give generously according to the law and above the law certain things in here aren't even in the law they just want to give above and over the top 
which is why you should just hit 20% and give that server uh, a little bit extra and just bless them because they have a hard job, you know? Uh, All right. Number seven, let's read verse 35 together. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of uh, all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. <clears throat> bring the first of the dough to the priest. What am I want here? And the priest and the son of Aaron shall be with the Levites. Levites will receive the tithes uh, for the here we go. Sorry, verse 39. Let's skip all the way down here. For the people of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of grain, wine, and oil to the chambers where the vessels of the sanctuary are, as well as the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers, because we will not neglect the house of our Lord. They covenant to make church a priority. The house of the Lord. The place where the community worships. And in the New Testament, it's the community who worships. That is the household. It's the living household built out of living stones, which are people. This reminds me of Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's covenant renewal time for the nation of Israel. Because they're entering into God's promise and God's blessing. And they're leaving behind slavery and wandering and complaining. Right? That's the context for Joshua. And then they get to a point, or, and they've just done Deuteronomy 6, right? We will raise up our children in the way of the Lord as we walk by the way, as we do everything. We'll put it on our doorposts over the, right? This is God's people saying, everywhere we go, in all things that we do, the community of faith, creating a legacy and passing it on is of top priority to us. To us. This is a good time for you in this time of transition to renew your covenant with your family to Jesus. Some call this making a family mission statement, having a life verse, writing out goals for the year, whatever it is for you. Whatever you do, changes on the horizon. And you guys will need to covenant together in relationship in order to make it through. And when you get to a new community, whether individually or as your R3 group, you will need to covenant together with that new community. Because ultimately, it's building the kingdom that's a priority. Always. Any church organization, doesn't matter who or where, When you reorganize your life, you should commit to covenant community and participate fully with those around you. And so write it down. Write down your covenant commitments to your family in preparation for entering into that new community. Write it down. Maybe share it with those in your R3 so that they can hold you accountable through transition. And that's your homework for today. And I hope that that would be fun, fruitful, and effective for you as we navigate this transition together. Covenant, church priority, give generously, love greatly, worship, lead, all those beautiful things together. And uh, may your time be blessed in your R3s today. I hope you have fun unpacking all of these things. There's plenty to be offended by, so good for you. You're welcome. And uh, I hope you guys have fun and are blessed. I love you. See you soon.